Um, hey, welcome. We're glad you're here. My name is Brandon, and uh, I'm the, um, the lead pastor here, and I want to say thanks for being here as we, as we start our brand new series in the book of 2 Peter. Uh, it's really a letter, uh, but uh, we, we did First Peter. If you have been here with, with us this year, we did it a number of months ago before the summer, and we looked at that the first letter Peter wrote, and now uh, we've come out of, we did Galatians in the summer, and we just finished a family series, which, was, which I thought was really, really um, helpful, I, I hope at least. We got a lot of people who responded and said, like, it, it, man, it was great to talk about family. So um, now we're in Second Peter, and, and here's what we're going to be looking at and what we're going to be discussing throughout the book of Second Peter, but especially this morning because he intros, he kind of brings up the whole theme and the topic of the book, and it's this. What does spiritual maturity look like? I'm going to guess I'm going to guess if you, you're here, so you're at least interested in spiritual things, but um, I'm going to also guess that a number of us have decided to follow Jesus, and you're in the faith, and you would say you're a Christian, and, and uh, I'm what the Bible calls a believer, and, and like you're in. And, and, and if I were to give you this option, I'm going to guess, like, like if I said like, all right, here's your, here's your two options, ready? In your faith, wherever you are in your faith, you can choose to grow spiritually in your faith, maturity, or you can decide not to grow spiritually in maturity. What would you like to choose? And I'm going to guess, I'm going to guess most of all, maybe all of us would say, I would like to grow spiritually in my faith, maturely, right? I, like all of us, I think, would say, do you want to grow in your faith? Yeah. How are you going to do it? Oh, I, I just want to. I, I want to. Oh, how do you know when you've arrived? How do you know if you are spiritually mature? Okay, stop asking these hard questions. I told you I want to grow. Like, how do you know? And listen, how do you know if someone else is spiritually mature? What, what is it about them that you would say, yes, I would consider that person spiritually mature? Or what is it about them? I would say, man, they're spiritually immature. What is it? How do you grow in your faith? This is, this is what Peter brings up and what he's going to talk about through this letter and specifically this morning. So um, some background in, 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 uh, to the book of uh, 2 Peter. Um, this is the second letter Peter wrote, right? Hence, 2 Peter. And, uh, and the first one, if you, if you can remember all the way back to when we talked about it, um, Peter talks about how he's sending this to the believers in an entire area. And it's, he lists out all these different regions, and it's really just kind of all over Asia. So he's not writing to a particular church. Um, Paul would often do that. He wrote Galatians to the church in Galatia, which is a region, but it's specifically the churches in there. To, he writes Romans to the church in Rome. Uh, he writes um, you know, uh, Corinth, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians to the church in Corinth to specific places, right? And that's why they're called that, Colossians and Thessalonians. Um, Peter doesn't do that. He just writes to an entire area. And so it's not called like, a, uh, like the name of a town. It's, all right, this is, this is Peter's second letter. And he writes this um, prob sometime, we know it's sometime between 65 uh, and 68, AD 65 and AD 68, because he dies, he's killed in probably, probably the middle of 68. Our best, like, that's our best evidence tells us he was killed for his faith, he was martyred for his faith, right in the middle of 68. So it's, uh, by definition then, it has to be before that, because it's, I don't, I don't know if you've tried, it's hard to write a letter after you've been killed. <laughs> so, so it's, between, it's before 68, but his last one was probably in 65, his, uh, uh, 1 Peter. So it's, it's between that time, probably closer to 68. 
because he's also writing this at the end of his life and he knows it. He knows he's the, he doesn't have much, much time to live. Not because he's like his age or he's just, you know, his health or whatever. It's because he knows I'm, I, I got the sense I'm about to die. I'm about to be killed for my faith. Paul got the same sense and he kind of understood this too. It was almost like they knew, hey, my time is up. I've run the race. My ministry is complete. And now I'm getting to the end and I see the writing on the wall and, and I don't have much longer to live. Peter is at that moment and he's going to write about this letter uh, later in the letter we're going to see him talk like just plainly about this so it's the end of his life he knows it and and so here's what this is ready second Peter is a all right on my deathbed kind of the end of my life all right what what do I want people to know he writes second Peter and this is it he says this is important this is, this is the last thing I'm going to write to the churches. This is my last message before I'm gone. So here's what I want you to know. So for us to read 2 Peter is to look at his final words. The last thing he wants everyone to know before he's gone. Which means these are going to hold some weight. And he's not going to waste any time getting into it. He's going to jump right in. And here's what we're going to see. It's, it's really like, uh, it's, it's organized really well and really easy. It's broken up into three kind of sections, hence three chapters. And chapter one is truth. How do we know what truth is? And how do we allow the truth to move in us and change us and transform us? And, and so like, what does that look like? How do we know what's right and true and, and good? We're gonna spend two weeks in chapter one looking at truth. Chapter two is about lies. And we're going to spend two weeks looking at chapter two where he talks about false teachers and false teaching. And how do you know? How do you distinguish right from wrong and and like real truth from from what others are teaching? Because it's coming into the the church specifically and so he, he calls it out. Chapter one, truth. Chapter two, lies. Chapter three, want to take a guess? Just take a guess. The end of all things, right? Like, like we're so creative in how we name these things. So truth lies in the end of all things. So chapter three, he's now talking about literally fast forward to the end and says, this is how it's all gonna end. And this is what it looks like for G- when Jesus returns. And here's what you have to look forward to and what you can expect. His final words he lists are, here's what I want you to know is right. Here's what I want you to be on the lookout for what is wrong. And I want you to be thinking about what's going to happen at the end and what that means for you now. That's the, the structure of his very short but really, really uh, important um, and, and dense letter. He opens his letter. By, he's going to open by introducing the main theme, spiritual maturity. So this morning, we're talking about what does it mean to grow in your faith, to become spiritually mature. Here's the main point. So if if you're taking notes, you can write this down. Spiritual maturity, okay, ready for this? Is not about how much you know. It's not about how much about faith, about Jesus that you know. It's about how much you grow. This is an important distinction. It's one that we, I think we often get wrong and we can get confused and mixed up because so often I think we think spiritual maturity means that like uh, growing in my faith just means I need to learn more stuff. 
I just need to, I need to take more classes. I need, to, um, uh, I need to do more. And we think of discipleship as I just need to learn more about these various electives and opportunities. And, and I want to do a class every night. I want to have a Monday night, a Tuesday night, a Wednesday night. I'm going to take all this stuff. I just want to get more and more information. Now, let me, let me start by saying, I love learning. I love learning and, and growing in understanding and knowledge. And as a guy who, who loves to read and to study and to study all the boring stuff that often puts other people to sleep, like that's what I'm reading at night and thinking about. And like, especially like theology and like the just silly Greek words that are like interesting that you would be, like if you saw my bookshelf, you'd be like, oh my gosh, are you, are you kidding me? And I'm like, this is awesome. So like, I love learning. Here's the deal. There's a line in the sand that you get to a point that somehow we think that that just learning more is enough. And it's not. Learning, learning more is good and you should. You should want to learn more and grow in your understanding. But don't think for one second that that's the end goal. That that's somehow enough or or now now i've arrived and now because i know more about this topic or this theology or this bible like study or this word or this thing that i'm because i know more i'm somehow better or more advanced or further in my faith than this person that simply isn't the case if we're not careful we can tend to believe that simply learning more means we're growing and, and we're going to do what James says here. We're, we're, actually, we're actually going to get in the way of ourselves. James says this. He puts it so clearly, and then Peter's going to spend, we're going to spend the rest of the morning looking at how, how Peter lists this out. James, in chapter one, he writes this. Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Here's what he says. This is so crazy. James literally says, hey, you have the word here? Okay, this is the word, right? This is God's word. All right, don't, don't merely listen to this. Don't just read this. He says, that's not enough. If all you do is read this and learn this, he says, you've deceived yourself. Because he adds an element that reading this and learning this and even like understanding, like learning to read it in Greek, which I had to take Greek and Hebrew and I, I, I loved it when I was done with it because it was so hard and, and, and like you could read this in Greek and Hebrew and you can be like man I know exactly what this says and, he's, and he says great and if that's all you've done you've deceived yourself you put a lot of work in he says you gotta do what it says it's not written down so we can read it and say oh that sounds nice it isn't like, like Jesus, hey, love, uh, love your neighbor as yourself. Like, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. He doesn't say that and be like, all right, now just memorize that. Learn it, but don't ever do it. My, uh, my daughter, we, um, we, do, we have a bed night, bedtime routine that we do uh, every night. And it, I, man, I feel like it's getting longer and longer every, as we just add more stuff. And you know, it's, it's wonderful. I know it, there's gonna be a time where it goes away. So I'm, trying to do as much as I can. And uh, so we, you know, we'll do the, uh, just a silly light game. It's like, it's like, takes a long time, but she loves it. So, uh, but she also does, uh, we do prayers and stuff and, and she does her uh, memory verse. She, she's at uh, 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 Christian school and so they do a memory verse. And so she's like, I gotta do my verse and I gotta do my songs. And now it's like songs, <laughs> like verses. And, and this is, one of the verses is this. 
you shall love and it's super cute you shall love the Lord your God with I'm like oh it's, it's wonderful like it's great to know and to remember and to memorize scripture and, and for her like wonderful but here's the thing ready if we only do that we've deceived ourselves James says you gotta do it now now what does it mean to actually love your neighbor as yourself oh that's a different story what does it mean to actually do what Jesus tells us to do so in 2nd Peter chapter 1 we're going to open up and here's what we're going to see doing what you read is where growth happens if you're taking notes you can write this down doing what you read doing what you come to know to be true that's where growth happens it isn't the learning about it it's the doing what you've learned so let's read it starts off he starts with, uh, with uh, like most letters do, with the author's name, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior, uh, Jesus Christ, have received a faith as precious as ours. He says this, grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. He's gonna talk about knowledge. He's gonna talk about grace. He's gonna talk about righteousness. And he starts off right out the gate. And, and he actually starts with an interesting way. And I didn't even think about this before um, until this last week. I had a lunch with another local pastor in town, a good guy that I, I, I'd consider a, a buddy. And, uh, and we're, we're, somehow we got into talking about Peter and, and we're discussing that like, uh, Peter's the only guy, Peter's the only guy where Jesus changed his name like I went out of his way to change his name and change his identity. Paul had a name change from Saul to Paul, but it wasn't Jesus saying, I'm now gonna call you this and here's why. It was probably the difference of, uh, of like his Jewish name and his Greek version and then they used different versions of his name. But Peter was specifically where Jesus says, hey, listen, I'm gonna give you a new name here. You are now Peter, the rock of which I'm gonna build my church. And, and look, how, look how Simon, I never noticed this before until this week. Look how, how Peter introduces himself. He doesn't introduce himself as Peter. He says, hey, by the way, I'm Simon Peter. He's, here's my old self and my new self. This is all of me. I'm Simon, but also I'm, you know me as Peter. And I'm like, I'm that guy. I, this is, I, I think this is so interesting that he himself says, all right, let me identify with my old self and, my, and the new self, the new identity that Jesus gave me. And this is me, all of me. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle to those who, who through righteousness have received a faith that's precious grace and peace be in abundance as you grow in your understanding and your knowledge of who God is. All right, great, wonderful, good start, right? There's always a beginning to a letter and then he's just gonna jump right in and here's what we're gonna see as he talks about what it means to grow in faith. Here's what he's gonna tell us. To grow in our faith, ready for this? We have everything we need for, for you to grow in your faith if you say like I want to grow spiritually I want to grow I want to be spiritually mature I want to I want to I want to grow in my faith I want to grow my understanding great ready you have everything you need to do that you're not lacking anything this this happens um this actually happens quite a bit. Like, it feels like every couple years there's a new book and there's a book that came out, I think it might be 10 years old now, um, by an author that, that I'm, you know, I'm not particularly fond of, but he, he, wrote, he wrote a book that became really big and popular and then kind of has gone away. And it's called The Secret Message of Jesus. And I, I, I read that and I go, 
according to, according to Peter, there is no secret message of Jesus. We have everything we need. There's no like hidden truth. This happens all the time. And then, you know, guys get like book deals and they're like, oh, the hidden message that no one ever knew until brilliant me discovered it. And now, you know, buy my book and you too can know what I wrote. And it's like, oh my goodness. Okay, I get, I get, you know, you're an author. You, you gotta have something to write. And, and so you, you do, but like, there's nothing that you're missing. There isn't anything that you're lacking that you're waiting for saying like, man, when I finally discover that, when I get that peace, or when this happens, then finally I can think, I can like take serious my faith. What, what Peter tells us is you have everything you need to grow in your faith. Look at how, how, like, how, how powerfully and how, how specific he puts this. He writes this in verse three. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness he starts off by saying listen listen all of you all of you believers scattered throughout okay ready through his divine power because of what god has done and like how how he has set this all up we have everything we need for a godly life everything if you know Jesus through the knowledge of Jesus as our Savior, if you know him, listen, you have everything you need now for a godly life. There's, no, there's nothing that's like, well, if only this happened, then I can grow spiritually. I can take this seriously. You have everything you need. And here's what it is. And we know this from other uh, uh, like areas of Scripture. Here's what we have. You if you're a follower of Jesus, you, you put your faith in him, you decided to follow him, you said, I'm in, I've accepted him as Lord and Savior, I've submitted my life to him, I've repented of my old life, I've turned to him, I've done all, okay, I'm in, great. Here's what you get. You get the Holy Spirit somehow, somewhere dwells in you. That the, God's Spirit is like, all right, here's what, here's what this looks like, ready? This is the, 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 the deposit, the down payment, this is the proof that you're in. Okay, ready? I'm gonna put my spirit in you what and the spirit will empower you to do the things you couldn't do on your own because it will be God working in you you have the Holy Spirit man you talk about like divine power working inside of you the Holy Spirit and the second thing he gave us is this the word that you have the Holy Spirit in you and you have now God's word he says now this is what I want you to know and this is what I want you to do with those things, with those two things, you have everything you need. You have Jesus and through the, and the Spirit, and you have His Word, you have God's Spirit and God's Word, God's Son. You have everything you need for a godly life. There's not a magic prayer or some new teaching. There's nothing we lack. He continues, verse four. Through these, He has given us His very great and precious promises so that through them, you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in this world caused by evil desires. These promises that he gives us uh, are, are, um, uh, allow us to experience, he says, a oneness with God, and we actually get to, 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 um, to, like, to, have a, to participate in the divine nature in God himself, and not just future tense. We often think of well, one day I'll be with the Lord. And, and you know, when he talks about us like going to heaven and at that moment, then I'll experience him. He says, no, 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 you, you have this now. Through these promises, you can experience this divine nature and who God is now. And here's how, how you, like, here's part of the process. Here's part of the, what that looks like. Because you've escaped the corruption of the world and the evil desires. Like you, you are a different person. 
If you put your faith in Jesus, you've decided to follow Jesus, he changes you, and all of a sudden there's like, there's like a, you're, the, old, the old creation is gone, the new creation is here, and you're a different person, and something, something inside changes, and now you get to the point where, man, even like, like what I want to do is different, and, and what I want to pursue more of God, not less of him, and Peter says that you've escaped the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. These great promises that God has for us, let us overcome the world and the corruption in it. But it isn't a given, and it doesn't just happen. It isn't just like, well, I, I just show up to church, and so I'm, that, that's good enough. So I think so often we think that, that as long as I'm just here, then it's fine. I'm good. If I just, I'm, I, you know, I, I, I showed up, I, I, I dressed for the game. I never actually played. I never actually went in, but I'm dressed. I made it. But it doesn't happen automatically there's some some on our end there's some stuff that peter wants us to do chuck swindoll says this i I love this quote he says the world will make godly living neither easy nor automatic man isn't that true (laughs) that living a godly life is not easy that if it feels like the world seems to be against us and the reason it feels like the world seems to be against us is because the world is against us what we're told in Scripture is like we're, like, like we're in the world, not of the world, that it actually, that the ways of the world actually are, are opposite and antithetical to the ways of God. And, and like, so it really is, it really is an obstacle. And it really is like trying to, to, to separate us from God. Man, it's not easy. God living is not easy, nor does it just happen automatically just because i I remember talking with one pastor um he said he said this to me a few times now he said brandon there's there i think there's so many times he's retired now and and has you know spent decades uh, in churches and ministering and and he said man i i never ceases to amaze me the amount of times that that people think if i just go to church it'll fix everything if i just show up to the building and he goes, it's, it's like that people just think that if I'm there, then it'll just work. And he goes, it's no different than me. He goes, I go shopping at grocery stores, but I don't pretend to think that I now own the grocery store. I'm there in the building, but I don't know how it works, nor am I even trying to. But at church, he goes, man, just being in the building, somehow we think that it's good. We're, we made it. And, and that's not at all the case. That just being literally like, there's, I don't know if you know this, as, as wonderful as this room is, there's nothing special about this room that's like, okay, when you walk in the door and now it's holy. <laughs> now we're a spiritual moment and then when you step out, it's back to the real world. N- no, no, th- there's nothing special about this building other than where the body of church is gathering together and us collectively, now we show up and we're like, all right, we want, we're expecting Jesus to move and we want to hear about him, we want to talk about him, we want to worship him. And, and, and it, it isn't just by accident. We're told this, to grow in our faith, we have everything we need. Here's the second thing as he jumps in. Now he's gonna get very specific. So he starts with, all right, you have everything you need. There's nothing you lack for, to grow in your faith, to understand to, what it means to live a godly life. Now he's gonna tell us how it works. And he says this, to grow in our faith, we need to grow in Christ-likeness. It's not a complicated word. It's a, it's a word that we see in Scripture and in, certainly in theology. And it literally means this. To, to be like the Christ-likeness, it literally means this. Ready? Okay, I hope you're sitting down because this definition is really hard. It means to be like Christ. Did you catch that? I don't know if you caught that. Christ-likeness is to be like 
Christ. I'll, I'll say it again because it's super hard. To grow in Christ-likeness is to become like Christ. So he's going to tell us now, what does this look like? What does this process of spiritual maturity look like? Here's what it looks like. It looks like becoming more like Jesus. And there's a process. And this is one of the most clear, like, like, like um, specific processes listed out in Scripture where there's various steps, and they all build on each other. So we're going to look at this, and we're going we're gonna to talk through like, why this is so important. Here it is. Verse 5, he says, For this reason, Make every effort. In the Greek here, like that's not strong enough. The, the Greek is like, this is of utmost importance. Do this above all, above all else. Of the utmost importance, the most important thing you can do is this. All right, Peter, this is like the end of your life. This is the last thing you want to say. And you're saying this is the most important thing. Okay, what is that thing? Make every effort to add to your faith goodness. Now he gives this, this process or this, what, is, what some theologians call the golden chain of, of, uh, of like growing in your faith. To add to your faith goodness and a goodness knowledge and a knowledge self-control and a self-control perseverance and a perseverance godliness and a godliness mutual affection and a mutual affection he ends with love. He gives this, this process that often is referred to as in theology and in scripture as sanctification. So, so let me tell you just kind of the, the general process of like what it means to be a Christian and, and what it means to grow in your faith. So um, uh, all of us at some point make a decision where we say, I'm in. I've decided to follow Jesus. I've placed my faith in him. I've accepted him as Lord and Savior. Some of us some of us, if you grow up in church, that happens maybe when you're little, and then all of a sudden, like, as you kind of get older, usually probably around teenage years where, it's, where it becomes, hey, this is either, either this is faith is your own or it's not. And you decide I'm in or I'm not. And that, that now becomes a personal thing where you, you decide, all right, I'm in. And that happens all the time, especially like teenage years when you're really deciding kind of the life trajectory you want to take. And, and so for you, it, it might happen like you're in church and then you make, uh, there's a moment where you say, now it's real. Now it's for me. Others of us, like myself, I didn't grow up in church. So for me, it was a, I mean, it was a literal decision. Like I remember the night, I remember the day, I remember what, what I, like what I prayed. And, um, and, and it was like a, uh, like my life before Jesus didn't go to church. And then I heard the gospel for the first time. And like, it was, it was, I'd never heard anything like it before. I don't know if you, if you grew up in church, I don't know, I, I, there's, it's great. It's great to grow up in church, but there's a little bit of a disservice. Probably a lot of bit of a disservice. Because you grow up hearing the best news ever, every week. And so over time, it just becomes, oh, the gospel. Okay, so now what? What's next? And the good news becomes like, okay, this is common news. Yeah, like that's just like, we all know that. Right? We all know that. And I'm sitting here going, I didn't know that at all. I heard the gospel the first time, and I'm going, this, this changes everything. I'm, it just changes everything. For me, I thought the Bible, like if you said like, you know, do you hear about, uh, do you know the name Jesus? Yeah, I knew the name. I don't know, I don't know anything about him. Nothing. Other than Jesus and like, you know, churches talk about him. It, okay, what about the Bible? What do you think the Bible is? I don't know. I, I honestly thought like, like we have the book of Proverbs where it's kind of a bunch of, you know, wisdom statements. I thought the entire Bible was that. I thought the entire Bible was here's what you should do and here's what you shouldn't do. And like Christians got together every Sunday to talk about how they're failing. <laughs> like, 
Like, here's, here's what's wrong with everyone, and here's what we need to change. And I'm like, man, that doesn't sound awesome at all. That was my idea of what church was, of what you guys were. Like, all of you, terrible, terrible. <laughs> and then I hear the gospel, and it clicked, and I realized, like, man, I don't know anything. I don't know anything about who Jesus is. Or, and, then, and then I remember getting my first Bible, I think I've shared this before, and, uh, and they didn't tell me how to read it or where to, where to like, it's, not, it's, a, it's a library, it's not a book. And, uh, and so I start like any book, page one, I'm in Genesis, and it was like, this is amazing. And I'm highlighting the entire chapter, right? I'm like, did you know this? Did you know God, God made all, like, does anybody know that this is in here? Has anyone ever read this before? That's in my mind, I'm going, how, is, how has no one ever told me about this? I'm, I'm like, I get through chapter one, I'm like, Wow. God did some cool stuff. Thanks, God. I get to chapter two, and I'm like, it keeps going. Like, I'm like highlighting more. I'm like, the first few pages are all yellow. I'm just going, this is great. And then I got to Leviticus, and things changed quick. Yeah. I remember for me, like my decision to follow Jesus was a moment, and it was like, whoa, okay, I'm in. And then what happens is this. So many times we think we're done, we've made it, and really here's what that means the journey has just started. Like, that's it. Like, great. I'm so happy. I'm so excited for you. Buckle up because now the rest of your life is what we call sanctification, where you're growing to become more like Jesus. Where now it's not just you're saved and your sins are forgiven. Yes, awesome. That happens in a moment. It happens when you choose to follow Jesus. But now the rest of your life, he's gonna transform you to become more like him. Now we get to this process where Peter lists out, here's what this looks like. All right, so how do I do that? How do I grow in my faith? How do I grow spiritually mature? What does a spiritually mature person look like? It looks like these seven things he lists out. All right. You look at this list and you say, man, I'm two for seven. <laughs> in fact, maybe, maybe I'm one and a half, actually. And you go, oh, maybe I'm not as spiritually mature as I thought. But if you look at other people's lives and you say, man, I consider them like just a pillar of the faith. Like they're such a good example for me. You read this list and you say, man, they got like six of them. Like maybe all of them. All right. So here's what he says. Add to your faith. Faith is great, but that's the starting point. Add now to your faith, goodness. And not goodness is like, well, just be a good person. That's not what he's talking about. The, the translation here is not the, the best. It really means, um, that should be translated in a few translations, translated as virtue or moral excellence. Add to your faith, moral excellence. This idea of, of, of wanting to do and, and live the right thing. I remember when I became a Christian, like I got faith and all right. And then the thing that changed the first thing that I realized I had to change that no one even told me to, I just knew, I just knew I got to stop, was the language that I used. It was like almost overnight I realized I can't, I, I, this isn't right. I can't talk like this. I couldn't even, I didn't even know what Second Peter was. I didn't even know who Peter was. But I knew I need to start doing things different in this pursuit of what he calls moral excellence. So add to your faith moral excellence. And add to the, this goodness or virtue or moral excellence, knowledge. Growing does include knowing, means knowing more, but it doesn't just mean that. So he adds, listen, there is a, an element to your faith where you need to know more. You need to grow in your knowledge, in your understanding, and you need to study and learn more and pursue more, like, more, like, uh, uh, understanding of theology, of who God is and who Jesus is, and be able to, to grow in your, in your knowledge, but also in your ability to respond to people. Like, part of growing in your faith, it really is, it really is 
learning more. It really is. If you stop learning, you will hit a ceiling. You're like, that's it. All right, I'm done. I've, I don't want to learn anything else. I've reached my limit. All right, you have. And, and as well as your spiritual, you've reached your limit even in growth. So add to your goodness knowledge. And to knowledge, he adds self-control. We can call this as discipline to make the right decisions, to live a holy life. So here's what you need to add. Ready? You need to, to, to add knowledge, but you also need to see that live out in your life through discipline, through self-control. And then he adds this, and this is so great, it's brilliant. And to self-control, perseverance. You know why? You know why? Because self-control doesn't happen just once. <laughs> self-control is not just a, I did it, you guys. I didn't, I didn't have the third dessert. Awesome. Today, at least. I didn't have that third. But, but tomorrow, we'll see. We'll see. He adds, listen, self-control in your life. Here's what it looks like, self-control. But it looks like continual self-control, a long, patient endurance of life, learning what this means. And then he adds, he says, and to perseverance, as you persevere through life, godliness. We get to find godliness as putting God first above all else. It isn't like a, well, I'm better than, because so often we think that, well, I'm, I'm doing all this stuff, and here's what that means. I'm such a good person. In fact, I don't know if you guys know this, I'm better than most everyone I know. And, and if we're not careful, by, by the way, that is a joke, okay? Don't, I'm not really saying that. But, but we, can, we, can, we can tend to think that way if all we're doing is pursuing just like, do, like being good and doing the right stuff and godliness. We, we can get to a point where it becomes a, a very strong source of pride for us where I really am amazing. Man, I wish everyone was like me. We won't say that, but we, we can believe that. So he adds this. Not just to godliness, add perseverance, godliness of living for God and putting him first. And then he adds to this, and to godliness, mutual affection, because he knows, he knows what knowledge can do and it can bring pride. So here's what I want you to do, ready? I want you to, like another translation says, brotherly kindness. I want you to love your brothers and sisters. Can you do that? Oh, this has to, this has to result in action. It can't just be about making yourself better. So here's what, as you pursue a godly life, here's what this should look like. It should look like loving brothers and sisters, specifically now within the faith, other Christians. You and I should have an affection for each other that's different, that's like specific, that's intentional. And, and I, I think he puts us in there because he knows we are so bad at it. We are very good, we are very good at infighting. We're very good at it. We're very good at, at, uh, at, um, at, uh, at hurting each other. We're very good at dividing over, uh, over issues. And so he says, listen, all of this, like as you grow in your pursuit of becoming more like Jesus, here's what this looks like. It looks like loving your brothers and sisters around you. Oof, that could solve so many issues alone. I, I'm gonna guess the people that have hurt you the most in life outside of your family it's, family's probably number one and if you've been in church a while church is probably number two where you've had some maybe not so great relationships experiences with other church people that like you couldn't figure it out and it like caused some pain oh man you could see how mutual brotherly affection and kindness would, would go a long way in all of our in our pursuit to become more like Jesus 
And then he adds this, the last thing, and to mutual affection, he adds, just as so many lists in the Bible do, he adds love. That true spiritual maturity always results in love. Not in pride, not in boasting, but in, listen, I do all of this so that I can love. He goes on. He lists out this, this, this golden chain, this process of sanctification, starting with faith and all of these kind of steps adding to it to become a mature a person, a person who can live a godly life. And then he says this, for if you possess these qualities, these things I just listed out, in increasing measure, you're growing in them, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Here's what he says. If you're doing this, if you are serious about this, about growing in your faith and, and, and looking at what it looks like to like grow in all of these seven things, he says, you will be effective and productive. Like you will be, you will, you will experience your faith in a different way. And then he goes on to say this, but whoever does not have them, if you don't pursue these, he says, is nearsighted and blind forgetting that they've been cleansed from their past sins. If you're growing in these qualities, you will be effective and productive. If you aren't growing in them, if you aren't spiritually mature, he says you're blind and nearsighted and you've forgotten. You've forgotten the blessings that you have. It isn't that they aren't there. It's that you just forgot about them. You've neglected them. You, instead of growing in your faith, you've just stalled. Man. This process called sanctification is not something that ends when you, uh, like, at a certain point in your life. It's not, a, it's not something that, that, that you get to a point where you say, and I'm done, you guys. I'm as holy as I will ever be in this moment. You are, you are welcome, and you are welcome, and you are welcome. I am, I am, I, I have arrived. Thank you. It's been nice to be here. Are you right? Oswald Chambers. Oswald Chambers, when I became a Christian, he was one of the first guys I read. Um, if you've never heard of him, he wrote the, devo the famous devotional, uh, My Utmost for His Highest, and it's a daily devotional. It's, it's phenomenal. Like, if you've never read it, you should just go Amazon it. Right? I'll give you permission to get on your phone right now, order it, prime it to your house, and you can start reading it. He says this, Sanctification is not something our Lord does in me. Sanctification is himself in me. <laughs> this is so good. It's not this thing where like, where God is like, he's like rounding off your rough edges and just making you like, all right, you're just, you know, sometimes you get a little frustrated or sometimes, you know, you, you doubt a little too much. Let me just tweak that to make you a better person. He says, that's not what sanctification is. Sanctification is more of Jesus in me. It's like Paul says, to live as Christ, to die as gain. He's like, listen, for me, living means living out Jesus. And, and Oswald says the same thing. That sanctification is not just like God fixing me. It's God, more of God in me. Ooh. It's, it's me saying I submit more and more of myself to him and let him have his way. Look, Lord, this life is yours. You're not just something I've added to like, here's, all, here's what my life is. Here's all the descriptions. If someone asks, tell me about your life. And you say, well, I do this and I do this and I'm this person. I have this and I have this. Oh, and I'm a person of faith. I go to church and I do this. He says, it's not that. It's not just like saying, oh, well, this is just one element of my faith, one element of my life. I just added like, I, I have, I'm a person of faith. No, no, no. This is, this is my life. Following Jesus is my life. Everything else is second to that. That's what he's talking about. This process of what it means to grow spiritually 
And then he, he ends with this, and this part uh, can get a little, a little, we love to debate this and miss the point, so we're gonna talk about it here in a second. To grow in our faith, he's gonna tell us, we need to make sure we're in the faith. Listen, he's like, all right, you wanna start this process? Okay, here's what you have to do. You gotta make sure you're in it. You gotta make sure you started this process before you think you're gonna like work your way through it, before you're gonna grow to become more like Jesus. You've gotta start. This is so important that Peter tells us to make sure you're in. Here's what he says in verse 10. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, okay? Church people, believers. He says it again. Make every effort. Of, this is of the utmost importance. Make every effort. And here's the part we love to debate. To confer, uh, confirm your calling and election. Now, we can, we can have long, I mean, hours of discussion about what calling an election is. And, and there's various views theologically of what it looks like. And I'm, I'm sure in this room, we're, we're across the whole spectrum of what calling an election is. And, and like God does all the calling an election or that we respond to it. And, and like we have some free will or no, it's predestination or somewhere in between. Or you're reading this and you're going, I don't even know what you're talking about. Calling, election, predestination. Like, whoa, that's... that's uh, that's, that's like different level stuff. And, and, and maybe it is, but like, it's so easy. It's so easy to get caught up into this language and say, all right, Peter, give me the process and the order. When does the calling happen? When does the election happen? And what's our process? What's our role in it? And do we even have a role? Do we have any choice at all? And we miss the point. Here's the, the point isn't for him to say, all right, I want you to understand calling election. Here's what he says. I want you to confirm that whatever the process is, that you're in it. I want you to confirm that you are indeed a Christian. So he says, I want you to confirm that you really are, you really are in the faith. Ooh. And so for us, what this really means is, is to do some internal searching in ourselves and to say, I, yeah, I am. I'm in the faith. I'm I've decided to follow Jesus. I've repented of my sin. I've placed my faith in him. I've, um, I've accepted him as my Lord and Savior, and I'm in. And I've, this is a lifelong commitment. I'm in. Awesome. And others of us may say, I don't know. I mean, I come to church. Isn't that good enough? Oh, I don't know if that's good enough. Let me rephrase. I know that's not good enough. <laughs> and I don't, think, I don't think the answer is, well, just keep showing up to the building. At some point, he says, you got to make your, like, you got to confirm that you really are in, that you really made a decision, and you say, all right, I'm in. I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm in. I'm in. He goes on to say this. For if you do these things, this whole process, you continue in this process, he says, you will never stumble. Again, another confusing language that, that will clear up, I think, I hope, here in a second. You will never stumble, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you're mature in your faith, he says you will not stumble. Some translations say you won't fall. Now, it's really easy for us to assume meaning into this and to read this and say, oh, is he, he must be saying that like, as long as you're doing this, you'll never sin. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying, and we know this because he talks in other places um, about the, the, um, the forgiveness of Jesus. And, and especially for, for Peter, if you know Peter's story, you know he denied Jesus three times. Like, if there's anyone who said, who could say, like, I sinned against the Lord, it would be him, like, to his face. Three times he denied him. And Jesus 
forgives and restored him even back into ministry so he gets it more than anyone he's not saying if you do this hey you won't you won't ever sin what he seems to be saying is if you do this you'll never fall away from faith you'll never leave the faith you'll never stumble in your pursuit of growing going closer to him this makes total sense right um, we could say it like this if you continue in your faith you won't leave your faith or another way if you keep moving forward you won't fall backward what he's saying is if you're progressing in your faith, you will not be regressing in your faith. Does that, that make sense? So as you pursue to become more like Jesus and pursue like this process of like what it looks like to live a godly life, he's saying, man, if you keep this up, you pursue this, then you won't stumble. You won't go backwards. You become, you will, you, you'll still have mistakes. You'll still sin. You'll still have issues, of course, but you won't get to a point where you fall away and you leave the faith. He'll talk about this later on in the letter too, this idea of, of falling away and what that looks like. And the result, he says, if you do this, you do these things, you'll never stumble, and here's what you get. You get this rich welcome. Oh, this rich welcome into the, this kingdom. And you will be received in, in an incredible way that like, I think so often we don't think about, like it's, it's so easy to, to, to get, just to get bogged down with the daily life. Like, we're here, we're just living life. It's, and it's not, it's not easy. There are challenges, a lot of challenges. And it's so, it's so easy to not think about then what the future will look like. And, and so he's gonna continually call us to the future. And he says, listen, one day, one day, if you're a follower of Jesus, one day you will have this rich welcome into his kingdom. You just, just wait. He's gonna tell us more about it later on, but just you wait. So to grow in your faith, we need to make sure we're in the faith. Spiritual maturity is not about how much you know. It's about how much you grow. As we start this study, what we're talking about is, all right, I want to be committed to growing in my faith, to growing in spiritual maturity. Would you do this? Would you stand with me? And we're going to pray, and, um, and then we're going to worship the Lord together. And <clears throat> so if you do this, would you, would you bow with me? Uh, before I, I, I pray, I want to give, um, I, I want to recognize that I'm going to, I'm assuming not everyone in this room, or not everyone watching online, um, has made a decision to follow Jesus. That a number of us have yet to say, I'm starting my faith journey. Or, or you, you would say like, man, I thought I did, but I, I guess I, I really haven't ever made a decision. And so this morning, you're gonna, you have that opportunity and we're gonna allow you to say, like, today, this is the good news, today. The Bible tells us, while it is still called today, put your faith in the Lord. And so today, you have the opportunity to say, I am choosing and committing to following Jesus. Here's what the Bible tells us, that you and I, we were born sinners and we sin. We sin against God, we sin daily hourly probably and that sin creates a separation between us and what happens in scripture what we see this is the, the good news of the gospel is to bridge that gap God himself says I'll come do all the work for them so he comes in the person of Jesus he lives this perfect life and then at the end of his life he, he dies on this cross and at this moment though they didn't know it they didn't know it when it was happening we look back and, and we see it and we, we read about it at this moment on the cross God was judging 
all of our sin. And the punishment we all deserve was put on Jesus at that moment. And what we see is that 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 sacrifice now bridges the gap and allows us to be forgiven. And when God looks at us, he says, you are forgiven because all of your sin was paid for by my son. Here's what you got to do. You just got to accept it. You just got to receive him and choose to follow him. Repent from your old way. I'm in on this new life and I want in. If that's you, if you're saying that, I want to I, I give you that opportunity right now. You can right where you are, just pray. Pray to the Lord and I'll even help lead you in this. But I, I want to know if that's you, just slip your hand up. I want to just know and see uh, who specifically we're praying for. And yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So for those of you who are saying, I'm in, you can pray something like this. God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit I'm far from you and fall short of you. And right now, I believe that Jesus died to forgive my sin. And then he rose again to prove that he had the power to do so. And right now, I commit my life to you, to learning from you, to being changed by you. Help me now to become more like you, Jesus. Now I'm going to guess also others of us, um, you've made that decision before. Awesome, great. And for you, the decision isn't, I want to start my faith. For you, it's, man, I need to jumpstart my faith. That I, I need, I need to, I need to, pursue growing in my faith now more than ever before. And for you, maybe it's just faith has been stalled and, and it needs a, you, need a, you need a restart. Not a do-over, but a restart. And if that's you, I want to pray for you. If you're saying, I, I, I want to grow in my faith and I need, all right, I want to pursue what it looks like to live like Jesus. I want to pray for you. If you slip your hand up real quick, I just want to see who I'm, who I'm praying for and you can say, yeah, that's me. I want to jump in. Yeah, okay, good, a lot of hands. All right, so Lord, for those of us um, who are saying we want to restart and we want to grow in our faith and we want to pursue more of you, I pray even this week, extra grace and blessing on them as they pursue what it means to follow you, to grow in our faith, to, to live a godly life and to pursue Christ-likeness. Help us to understand it's not just about knowing more, but it really is about growing more. So Lord, be with all of us as we pursue you. We thank you, Jesus. We worship you and we pray this in your name. Amen.